Welcome home. So glad you're here. Um, before the kids got run into Children's Church, don't go because I want to talk to you on the stairs just for a minute. But um, before they do, I want to bring your attention to this um, Smart Money Seminar. Uh, this is being run by Bethany's former pastor and some good godly people in town um, who go to Rocky Mountain. I know them well and can recommend this heartily. There are copies of this on that round table outside uh, the door to the right, and feel free to take it with you. It's on October the 5th, I believe, 8th, and uh, some good information, uh, some good resources. If you really think you can get blessed in this area and need some guidance, young, old, somewhere in between, pick it up, think about it. Okay, kids, if you're not too, too scared of Uncle Tom, let's, let's, let's spend some time together here. Good, I'm going to steal Kathy's mic real quick. Come on up, come on up. Grab a seat on the stairs. Pierce, kids, come on, you know me. And maybe that's why you're staying away. Come on up. Yeah, pull on in, because I want to get your answers. Come on in. Yeah, we had a ton of kids at the, at the first service, so, so you guys were a small crowd. Come, come grab a seat. You know what we're going to be talking about with the big folks? Being scared, being afraid. Have you guys ever been afraid of anything? Have you? No. That's a tough guy. Okay. How about you, Johnny? Anything ever? Yeah, good man, right there. That's for honesty. That's rare in church. Do it again. Yeah. Um, Here, let's do a show of hands. Has anybody ever been afraid of spiders? Yeah, yeah, tell me about that. They are. You ever been afraid of the dark? Nobody? Have you ever been afraid of the dark? No, okay. You ever been afraid of broccoli? Yeah, ah! Yeah, that's, you know what's scary? Beets. Beets are scary. What do you do? Is there something you do when you're afraid? Is there something you do when you're afraid? Someplace you go? What are you thinking? What'd you say, Ethan? Yeah, you run to your mom and dad. That's a great place. You know why? Because mom and dads don't want their kids to be scared, right? Do you know what? Jesus doesn't want you to be scared either. Do you know why? Because he loves you. Yeah, yeah, he does, Ethan. He loves you. And... He is bigger and stronger than anything that could ever scare you. Do you know that? And he's always there. I don't know that these people know how big and strong Jesus is. So with your arms and stuff, could you stand up and show them how big and strong Jesus is? Yeah, show them. Yeah, how big? Johnny, ooh, yeah. Is he big, Ethan? Is he big, sweetie? Yeah, 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 he punches his... Yeah, punching your brother. That's beautiful. Um, we do that in other ways here. Yeah, we're repenting of that. Um, here's something that I want to teach you. It's a very simple prayer, okay? Anytime you're scared, you can say this. Jesus, nothing scares you, so can you chase all my scares away? Can you do that? Okay, everybody put your hands in the middle. Everybody hands in the middle. We're going to do Jesus on three, okay? Come on over, Eden. 
Come on in. Three, one, two, three. Jesus! All right, go. I love you. Upstairs. Do the gospel up there. We're going to be doing it down here. Oh, yeah. Have a great time. Have a great time, guys. Thank you. You know, sitting around them, watching them run up there, um, takes me back um, more years than I would like to admit um, to days when or nights when um, Sheree and I, my wife, um, would be laying in our bed, and we knew it was coming. We knew it was coming because we could hear the of the bare feet running down the hall, right, at night. And you know, because the bedroom door flies open. Mommy, Daddy, I'm scared. Can I sleep in your bed? That's right. That's right. You know, um, because for our kids at the time. Now, if you're a parent, you may know this experientially this way. But, but maybe when we're kids, we remember that for us, that was the place where fears would just fly away. Right? Because we weren't alone. Because somebody bigger and stronger was keeping guard and watch over us. And that um, somehow, somehow in that place, fear just had no place we could rest. Not just fall asleep, but our hearts could be quiet and confident um, because of where we were. What happened? Well, we all grew up. And, and, and your parents' bed does, doesn't work doesn't work anymore. Um, unless you're a 40-year-old guy who wears feety pajamas and lives with mom, and then we got something else to pray about. Um, <laughs> why? Be- because, <laughs> because we grew up. And we realized that life is far too complicated, and the struggles we face are far too extreme But none of us have grown up so much that we don't need something, someone real, real, who can actually deliver on the promise to chase our fears away. And and that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing here this morning. Uh, If you've been with us, you know that we're in a study of the book of Revelation. So we're in Revelation 1. If you have your Bibles, open it there. Uh, If you don't, you'd like to use one, check under the seats. We've got some... Some Bibles there. We'll have the verses up on the screen. Hey, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, that one's yours to keep. But the generosity of the people here, um, it's one of the things we use that offering for. So um, anyway, Revelation 1, I'm going to tell you uh, from the outset, right from the opening kickoff, uh, the title of this message is Loved and Fearless. Loved and fearless. And I'm going to come right out and tell you what Jesus is going to do uh, in, in front of us, um, within us. Um, and it's easy for me because it has nothing to do with me. It's all his word, his spirit, his power, his mercy, his greatness. Um, what he's going to do is offer to do what he is going to do to the Apostle John. To put his right hand of love and favor on you and say, fear not. And, and, and when he does that, our fears will evaporate, and um, he leaves us loved and fearless. Let's go. Revelation 1. Now, um, we're going to pick it up in verse 17. Uh, if you were with us last week, you know we moved through this passage, and we saved these verses because I knew we wanted especially to press in on these. Um, and before 
Um, before we do, a little bit of background. The Apostle John is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he has just seen the risen Jesus in all his glory, right? And he describes his face as shining with the intensity, the full intensity of the sun. And what does he do? What does he do? Here we go. Verse 17. When I saw him, John writes, I fell at his feet as though dead. Okay, John is laid out. He is down for the count in fear and worship because of the awesomeness and the beauty and the holiness of Jesus Christ. Okay, he falls down in fear and worship, but look at what Jesus does here. It's amazing, and I want to take special note because not only is he doing this for John. Here's the thing. He wants to do this for you and for me right here, right now, this morning, and over and over and over and over again so that we can be what? Loved and fearless. Loved and fearless. Look what Jesus does. Continuing on. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Did you see that? Did you see what just happened? Did you hear what just happened? Did you see? No. Jesus bent down, bent down. He stoops down to where we are. This is a picture of the incarnation when Jesus is born, right? He comes from his throne in glory. He bends down to touch us, to meet us in the situation, in the, in the wreckage of our lives. He bends down in our fear and touches us with what? With his right hand, with his right hand. Now, if you were with us last week, you know we talked about the significance of the right hand because he was holding the stars in his right hand. We said the right hand symbolizes, communicates power and control and favor, and favor. So Jesus reaches down in love and favor and power onto John, who is down on the ground. And some of you know exactly what that is. And he puts his hand on him and he says, what? Fear not. Fear not. That is amazing. When Jesus lays his loving hand on you, fear evaporates, evaporates. And he replaces it with love, with contentment, with, with confidence in him. That is what your parents' bed could never deliver. This is the only way that our fears can truly take flight. He says, fear not. Do you get how huge that is? How awesome that is? How much you and I need that, crave that, are desperate for that in our lives? And, and, and we wanted to spend time in this because we can't go one more hour in our lives. We can't go one other sentence in this book without being loved and fearless because both our lives and the things that will unfold in history through this book will otherwise scare us pantsless. It's true. It's, it's true. And Jesus says, don't leave without being loved and fearless, having him lay his hand on us and say, fear not. Evaporate our fears, replace it with love, leaving us loved and fearless. Now, some of you 
particularly those of you with an overdose of testosterone, are probably thinking, not my problem, man. Not my problem, man. I don't fear anything. Really? Okay, go with that. By the way, how's that working out for you? Now, um, if you're a guy, um, ladies, you, you, can take, you can take a second off. If you're a guy who is here, uh, and you are, you have written Jesus a blank check with your life. Okay, great. If you're here checking out the gospel, okay, great. Look, I love you all. And even the people whose wives will make them listen to this clip on the podcast, hear this in love. But if you for a moment, if you are the person whose mother or girlfriend or wife has to drive them to church, or if you are one of the many who send their wives to church because church and following Jesus, you believe, is for women and men without spines, and you think, Tell me about Jesus when he wants real men because. I don't believe that, that that is what a real man needs to be doing to come to a place where we talk about hard issues, where we talk about squishy things, when we talk about fear. Then get back to me. I have news for you. He is calling you out. The reason we have to talk about hard issues, the reason we have to be set free from fear is because we men are following him to attack and, 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 and break down the gates of hell so that everybody in this community, everybody in this city, everybody in this college that is held captive by the lies of the devil, by, by the despair of life without knowing their creator and being set free from despair and sin. And if you think that you're man enough for that. Well, Jesus is your God. And I call you out. Stop playing games. Stop playing games. You're neither in nor out. Get off the couch. Turn off the TV. Put down your beer. Pick up your Bible. And let's lead. Let's pastor our families. Let's lead the hope of this community. Let's change the face of the college. Let's see people get set free. All right. Um, I love you guys. I love you guys. But the church in Gunnison and the church in America is led by women. And there's nothing. God bless them. God bless them. But Jesus calls men to man up. That's where we talk about these things. All of us, chew on this for a second, all of us fall into one or the other camp. You are either fearing and you need not fear or you're not afraid and you have every reason to be. You either are fearing and you should not or you are not afraid at all, and you should be. And by the time we leave, we'll know which camp we land in. And here's the good news. The good news is regardless of what camp you're in, God has good news for you. The, the solution is the same, which, which you'll see in a minute. Many of us don't think of fear as a big problem in our lives, but it is. 
And the reason we don't is because a lot of time when fear shows up, it disguises itself as a lot of other things. It comes out and is manifest in, in a lot of different ways that we don't necessarily identify as having their roots in fear. It can come out in anger that we can't control. It can come out in stress that overwhelms us, in anxiety that breaks us down and grates at our heart and our minds that doesn't let us rest on the inside. Procrastination of the thing which we fear. It can, it can manifest itself in compulsive behavior, control, um, relationship struggles. And, and when these things happen, we don't necessarily draw the line back to fear. But many of them, many of, much of the time, have their roots in fear. So Jesus wants to set us free from fear. When we do see fear coming, here's what we do. We fly into self-protection mode. So when we feel fear, we're going to protect ourselves. And that's kind of part of our DNA right? We're going to either lash out or we're going to clam up or we're going to create distance because that's dangerous, whether that's a person or a situation or a relationship. Um, we are going to control. We're going to procrastinate. We're going to manipulate uh, people, situations in order to keep us and our hearts out of the fear zone. And that fear zone can cover so many different things. But here's the good news. Jesus has them all covered. They are all things that he has victory over, that he won victory for you, for me, on the cross in the empty tomb. Okay? The cross wasn't in the empty tomb. There's a comma there. You know. Follow with me. Okay. I fear that you're not. Okay. So we're going to do a quick inventory. Let's see if any of these uh, fears apply to you. Fear of failure. This is huge for guys. Huge for guys. Now, women can, can have this fear too, but guys often, often has this as their besetting fear. Fear of failure in school, fear of failure in sports, in your work, your career. Fear of uh, failure as a provider, as a dad, as a husband, as a boyfriend. Fear of failure. We need to walk, men, in the victory that is in Jesus that he offers us. Um, number two, um, abandonment. This is huge. Can be men or women. Huge for women. Huge for women. Fear abandonment, um, being abandoned by your husband, by your kids, by your friends, uh, by boyfriends, by girlfriends, by, um, by God. And that is linked to a fear of rejection, not being accepted or loved, losing friends. Jesus, if you belong to him, says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you. I will never reject you. Okay, so we need to know that. We need to be standing on that. We need to have that find its roots in our heart to root out the fear. Okay, number four, aging or parents aging. You're afraid of what that looks like, what that means. We cling to the eternal one, the one who says, I'm already there in the future, preparing a way. Uh, we'll talk about that more. Experiencing pain, physical or emotional pain. We avoid those situations. We avoid those relationships. And he says, I have experienced every pain you will ever experience on the cross, in your place, and I will experience it once again in you, through you, and I will carry you through it. I will carry you through it. Anybody who promises a pain-free life because you follow Jesus Christ is a liar. The only problem is the scriptures. Look at his apostles. Huge glory, huge joy, pain. But he brings us home through it. And in it, he can make it beautiful. And you will never experience it alone. 
and this will sound strange, but you can have more joy in pain with Jesus than you can have in the best circumstance without him. It's true. It's true. Another fear. This is a big one. Your insufficiency. Your insufficiency as a spouse, as a parent, as a friend, not measuring up. This is very real. And know this, Jesus is your sufficiency. Jesus fills in the gaps. You want to see a picture of insufficiency? You're looking at it. You're looking at it. I am insufficient as a man who can allow God to pour his word through to your heart. But Jesus fills in the gap. Jesus is your sufficiency as a spouse. He will fill in the gap in your insufficiency as a parent, as as a worker. He is there. He is our sufficiency, not us in ourselves. That's linked to fear of the lives and hearts of your children or family members. And we need to know the love of Jesus, that he cares more about them than we do. And he's on the case. Fear of man issues. Fear of, now I use that in in, in the general sense, fear of people issues. This is huge. This is the source of peer pressure, okay? When we care more, when we fear more what other people think than we do about what God thinks, what God's word says. When we fear people more than we fear God. When we care more about people's approval than we do about pleasing God, right? I mean, you have somebody who hurts you, who hurts you, and they're wrong, right? They're wrong, and you're you're right. But rather than lovingly confront them because that brings pain, what do we do? We we make a a, uh, a passive-aggressive Facebook post, right? And it doesn't really provide details. It doesn't really name names. But everybody you care about knows exactly who and what you're talking about, right? Yeah. That's going to help. That's going to help. You want to see fear of man issues? Come to church. Come to church. I'm not going to respond to the gospel. I'm a believer. The gospel is for believers. I'm not going to respond to the gospel. People will think I'm a train wreck. We're all train wrecks without Jesus. I'll lead, I'll be the, the, the locomotive. We are entirely dependent on being forgiven, indwelt, rebuilt, reprogrammed, rebooted, new life again and again and again and again. And he transforms us through that process. I'm not going up. I'm not getting prayer. I came in there, nothing wrong with me. I'm walking out the same way. Well, you're walking out. But you're not going to be loved and fearless because that requires the vulnerability of caring more about what God is doing than what people are thinking. Fear of man issues. Continuing on, fear of loss. Fear of loss of people, things, money, lifestyle, control. So we clutch, we clench, we manipulate, right? We live lives with closed hands rather than open hands. We live lives with closed hearts rather than open hearts. 
And what happens is Jesus does heart surgery on us again and again and again. And he takes our heart of stone. He replaces a new heart, his heart of flesh, and he brings that out. And we can no longer, when we see and experience Jesus' love, Jesus' generosity, Jesus' grace, giving us favor, giving us love, giving us blessing, when we deserve the opposite, that we find that our desires change, our habits change. We can't live like this anymore. We can't live like this anymore. We have to live like this. It changes us. Fear of the future. What lies ahead of you for your kids, for your marriage? for your career, for whether or not you'll ever find somebody to love you. Jesus is the one who was, who is, and who is to come. Jesus is already in your future saying, I've got it. I've got it. Fear not. I'm there, and I'm here with you, and I'm not going anywhere. I am never surprised. I know what's coming. I am already providing the grace, the strength, the love, the courage, the hope to walk you through in victory, in victory. I know what's coming. I have a word. Um, I don't want to creep you out, but sometimes as I'm praying, sometimes as I'm preparing, there's something for somebody here. Here's the word. With me, it's not too late. I don't know who that's for. But you're thinking you have missed an opportunity. You have missed an opportunity to make things right. You have missed an opportunity to be the person, to be the wife, to be the father, to be the, the parent, the, the friend, whatever it is. With me, it's not too late. If that's for you, take it. Um, number 11, fear of shame of our past or fear of repeating your past. Jesus sees your past. He'll forgive it if we'll come to him brokenhearted in repentance and and set us free from it. Nothing in your past disqualifies you from your future in Jesus Christ. Nothing, 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 nothing. Did I say nothing? By nothing, I mean nothing. He sees it all and he says, I can forgive, I can wash clean, I can make new, and I will. He offers that. Will we receive that? Your past has not limited you or disqualified you. Not in Christ. Fear of death or disease, yours or somebody else's. Jesus has conquered death and disease for you on the cross, rising again to new life. Death is not something to fear, not in Christ. Fear of change or fear things will never change. Jesus never changes. That's what we need. That's who we need. But in him, he can change it all. He can change us. He can change our circumstances. If you're afraid of change, cling to the one who never changes. If you're fearful that things will never change, he could make a way in the wilderness. You've heard it before. A roadway in the wilderness. Rivers in the desert. We serve the God who can and does. Doesn't matter how long you've been stuck in the rut that you're in. His arm's long enough. His love is deep enough. His power is wide enough. He can deliver you. He can deliver me. It doesn't matter how long, how hopeless, how monotonous, how repetitive. 
Did you watch those kids? They got something to tell us. We fear getting too close to Jesus. It raises these things, you know. Will he reject me? What is that going to look like? And by the way, I've got this thing or these things in my life that, frankly, I'm gonna, I know that he's going to want to put his hands on. He's going to want to mess with. And frankly, I'm not wanting to give that up. Okay, a couple of quick answers. Um, will he reject me? No. No. All who come to him in repentance do a U-turn, change our thinking, say, I agree with you and I disagree with my life as it's been without you. He never rejects. He will never turn away. What is it going to look like? More beautiful, more glorious, and yes, probably more painful than you imagine. But it is ultimately worth it. It is ultimately worth it. I have tried much too many things over the years and in so many ways to be satisfied with something other than Jesus Christ. But praise God, he has not let me be. Let me spare you some searching. He has created us to find only our life, only our hope, only our joy and freedom in him and to be restless in heart until we do. And that thing that you don't want to let go of because you know he'll have a problem with it, don't let that keep you from coming to Jesus Christ. Because until you do, you don't have the heart that can have a different desire. You don't have the power to do anything about it. If we waited for everything in our life to be lined up and right before we came to Christ, none of us ever would. Don't let that thing keep you from Jesus Christ. But when you come, he is going to move in. And he is going to change your desires. He is going to change your appetites. He is going to change your addictions. He is going to change your preferences. He is going to change your strength. He is going to change... Don't let that thing keep you away because you're powerless until we come. Okay, enough of the diagnosis. Let's get to the cure. So uh, here's the key. Flip to the left a couple of pages to 1 John chapter 4. Okay? This is the key to becoming loved and fearless. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. 18, rather. Um, same author, the Holy Spirit of God, Writing through John. Okay, here it is. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love evaporates fear. You thought I was making that up? Here it is. Who's perfect love? Your perfect love for Jesus? Oh, goodness, no. Goodness, no. If it depended on our perfect love for Jesus Christ, all of us would be up a creek without a paddle. Amen? You, me, Billy Graham, Mother Teresa... Lady Gaga, everybody in between. It's true. You've heard me say that a lot. That means all of us. It's his perfect love for you. His perfect love for you evaporates all fear. Evaporates all fear. That's what it's about. 
That's exactly what happens. He puts his hand of love on us and says, fear not. And fear heads for the hills and is replaced with an overwhelming sense of his presence and his love and his strength and his power for you, in you, through you. Jesus' touch can do that, will do that. It continues. Perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. That's pronounced sin. Punishment for sin. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Sin. And the worry of being punished by God for sin, through our, we know our consciousness press down on us. The word of God presses against us. And we fear that we are, we are going on the, the wrong track and, and God someday is going to really, really punish us. And those are promises that come from the scripture. But here's the good news, that Jesus, because of his love, went to the cross and became for me, for you, our sin. All of it. Past, present, future. Paid the punishment. Paid the penalty. In our place, that cross had my name on it, your name on it. Because we were rebels against a holy God. But the king came and said, I love you too much. I'm going to pay so that you can come home. And he doesn't force that on us. He offers it to us. He doesn't force freedom from fear. He offers it to us. He doesn't... Force that love, he offers it to us. So it all depends on our response, whether we receive, whether we receive that. It says that anyone who fears has not been perfected in love. The amount of fear in your life is directly proportionate to how much of Jesus' love we have yet to know, yet to receive, and yet to dwell on. Are you tracking with that? The amount of fear in your heart, in your mind, is directly proportionate to the amount of love that from Jesus that we know, that we receive, and that we dwell on. Not that he offers. Not that he provides. Don't get that wrong. He's not going to love you more. He can't. It's that we grow in that love, that we experience and receive that love, that we plead for it, that we focus on it, which is why last week we talked so much about... Um, Set your mind, set your heart on things above. Dwell on that. Bask in the light of his presence, of his love, of his glory. That's why we have to continue to sit under the word of God, to hear the truths of God, of his great love. Because as we receive, as we know of that love, he begins to impart unto us, to root out all of those things that are not of him. And that includes sin and fear and everything that comes with it. And replace it with himself, which is life and freedom and joy. And so many people in this church, in this community, are living under the burden and in the shackles of fear and shame and despair. And Jesus is saying, I've done it all. Come to me, receive, know, dwell. I am hope. I am life. I am freedom from fear, from sin, from discouragement. Okay, back to Revelation. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna unpack the rest of that. And then we're going we're gonna to see where it leads and, and we're going to close. Halfway through verse 17, Jesus said what? Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am 
alive forevermore. And I have the keys to death and Hades. Okay, did you get that? You are not the answer to your fears. Jesus is. You are not the answer to your fears. Jesus is. Stop trying to manage your fears. Come to Jesus. Let him lay his hand on you and fear will evaporate. He'll replace it with his incredible love. He says, fear not. Why? Fear not. He doesn't say fear not because you are awesome. He says, fear not because I am awesome. This is going to run against everything that the culture will tell you. And sometimes we even put a a little Christian shellac. Don't be afraid. Look what God has made you. Look at the gifts he's given you. Look at the strengths he's given you. No, don't confuse the gift with the giver. Fear not because he is. Fear not because he is. And he's the one who says, fear not. I remember when Quincy, our, da- our daughter, who's uh, off at of college, she's a sophomore. But was she, she was so cute as a kid. Oh, my gosh. Well, she's cute now, but in a different way, you know. In a, in a way that occasionally has to be pinched. Um, but when she was like three, like she'd crawl up on my lap when, when I was getting, um, you know, stressed. or something. Don't be scared, Daddy. Don't be scared. Well, that'll melt your heart, but she can't do anything about it. I was thinking, look, if you're not scared, you just don't have enough information. (laughs) I didn't say that to her. That's the shortcoming of people saying, don't fear. But the one who is eternal, who has power over everything, who says, do not fear, he can back it up. He can back it up. That's great news. That's great news. Jesus overcame death in the grave, life, eternity, everything in between. His victory is yours. If you belong to him, he holds the keys to death and Hades, all the evil spiritual powers in the world. And believe me, the things you can't see are more real and more eternal than the things you can. And you live in this world. And being ignorant to the fact that there is a spiritual war going on for your life and your soul means you're going to be a casualty of it. And he's saying, I hold the keys. And if you were like me as a kid, you had this image that the people with the most keys were the bomb, right? They were the most powerful. Who wanted to be a janitor because of that? Amen, Zach. Honesty in church, rare thing. Good man. He holds the keys. He holds the keys to life, to freedom, to freedom from fear, to death and the grave and Haiti. He holds the keys to your childhood closet where everything evil lived. And he says, you're mine. I got the keys and nothing is getting out of there as long as I have anything to say about it. And these kids were up here. Didn't you want to take them in your arms and say, nothing's going to harm you. Not while I'm around. Not while I have anything to say about it. That's just a commercial. That's just a sample of what God is saying. Come, you're going to have storms? Oh, you bet. Trials? You betcha. We live in a fallen world that Jesus is remaking. He wants to remake that within you. Are you going to have times when it appears hopeless? You betcha. 
But are you going to go through them filled with fear and anxiety and stress? Or are you going to go through that with boldness and faith and hope and joy and freedom? Loved and fearless. You're going to make that decision because it's offered to you. Not by me, but by Jesus through his word, through his presence, through his spirit right here, right now. And over and over and over and over again. This isn't something we do one time and then forget about. This is a way of life. Continuing to let him touch us. And make our fear evaporate and replaced by his love. Jesus has all power. He can back it up. He can back it up. I ruined two decks of cards so that you could have this, so you could see this. It's a, it's a poker hand. It has five aces. You say, Tom, you're cheating. The deck of cards only has four aces. Yeah, you're right, except with Jesus. Jesus holds the trump card. He holds all the cards. And when you belong to him, he gives them to you. Can you think about that? Can you think about that when you face the full house of disease and death? When you face the the royal flush of sin against you or in you? When you face the four of a kind of marital problems, financial problems, hopelessness, despair? You are holding five aces because Jesus is holding you. Can you imagine going through life with this hand? You especially who feel like life has dealt you a bad hand. You are walking up to, and excuse the the illustration, but some of you will get it. You are walking up to the poker table of life to play five card stud knowing you have five aces. Why? Because Jesus is the dealer. How would your life be different and mine if we really focused on the power and the love of Jesus Christ? Can fear stand a chance? The great claim of Jesus is not only that he can chase away our fears, but that nothing and no one else can. And we need to let him do it because fear is dismantling our lives and tearing us to pieces, whether we realize it or not. Fear is sin because it replaces faith. Um, fear keeps us from saying the things that we should say, that he wants us to say. Things like, I'm sorry, or I forgive you, or I love you, or I believe I surrender. Fear keeps us not only from saying the things we should say, but from doing the things that we should do, that he has called us to do, to be light in the darkness, in our families, in our homes, in our work, in our school, the talking to our friends about how much Jesus loves and how they can be set free, even as we are being set free. Not because of something they've done or hasn't done, but because of what he has done for them. It keeps us from praying with our friends, from praying with our spouse, from praying. It keeps us from doing the things that we ought to do, from writing Jesus a blank check with our lives, losing, surrendering control. It keeps us from going where we should go. Your destiny in Christ your purpose 
begins, continues, and ends with him. And fear will keep us from doing that. Why? Because we live in it so long, it becomes so familiar to us. It becomes so familiar to us. We're so used to being fearful and with our coping strategies, and we settle for a safe, mediocre life that doesn't take risks, that doesn't need faith, that doesn't need Jesus to come through, or we're sunk. And that is the very walk of faith he's calling us to. We, we, we take a life that doesn't risk when Jesus says, risk it all. Because it's not a risk when you're in me. I've got it all. And I've got you. Whatever I'm calling you true, I'm equipping you for. Whatever dream I put in your heart for freedom, for love, for joy, you can have. And yeah, there's going to be risk. Risk it all. Risk it all. What could you do if you had no fear? Maybe the will of God for your life. Maybe turn your life around. Maybe break out of the soul-numbing spiral of mundane routine that becomes our life when we are not loved and fearless. It comes down to this. Here we are. Not too bad. Here we are. In the beginning, we said we are all in one of two camps. Either we have fear and we need not have it or we're not fearful and we should be. We should be very afraid. I want to talk about that second group who should really be afraid, who have never, as the Apostle John has done, fallen on your face, whether literally or in your heart, before Jesus Christ in fear and worship and had him place his hand his right hand of favor and love on you and say, fear not. And, and your fear evaporates and he replaces that with his love. We call that by a lot of names. We call that um, surrendering to Jesus Christ, coming to Christ, uh, becoming a Christian, being saved, whatever you want to call it. But that's not you. Because you have no fear. Right? And you should be. You should be very afraid. And I'll explain that. Jesus loves to say, fear not. You see it in the scriptures a lot. Fear not. But he only says that to those who belong to him, to those who hide in him, to those who surrender to him, to those who follow him. He only, search the book. Every time he says it, it's to those who belong to him. Luke chapter 5. Jesus goes to three very poor, bad, I mean, fishermen who regularly go out, this is their job, and they go out and catch nothing, right? So he goes out, and he says, to them, put your nets down, and, and this is Peter, James, and John, and he fills two boats worth of, of fish up, and they're very afraid, and he says, fear not, fear not, come follow me. They leave everything and follow him. He knew they would. He didn't want them to be afraid. Mark chapter 6, Jesus once again goes to a boatload, literally, of his friends, of his disciples, who are scared stupid because they're in a storm and they see Jesus walking in the middle of the night across the water to them. He says what? Fear not, it's me. I'm here. Don't fear. He does it again in Acts. After he has risen, he does it to the Apostle Paul. Acts 18 Paul is facing incredible persecution, incredible uh, 
threats against his life. Jesus, the risen Christ, appears to him and says, Fear not, I am with you. He only says it to those who belong to him. He never says it to those who don't. Is it because he doesn't love you? No. He loves you as much as he does those who are closest to him. The one difference is you have not received that love. I can love you all you want, but until you receive it, it's not yours. So he offers that. Because if you do not receive it, if you are not loved and fearless, you do not have what it takes to stand in your life. You do not have what it takes to stand against the powers of evil that are coming against your life. And you do not have what it takes without Jesus Christ to stand before a holy God unforgiven and unloved because we are all rebels. There are two kinds. One who have allowed the king to pardon them and the other who will stand on their own merits and none of us, none of us will stand. That's the only difference. So if you go into a church where people are looking down on each other because you do this and I do this and I do good things and you do bad things, blah, 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 blah. You know what? We're all in the same boat. One have received. One are loved and fearless because they've received. And the others have no fear. Have none. When they're cut off. Not because Jesus wants that, but because we've said, I don't want any part of you. I'm going to play games with you. I like the girls who are in church. I don't, I don't really want to be all in, but I sure don't want to be all out. Really? You, that might fly with me. That might fly with the people who are around you. You think that's going to fly with him? He created you. He loves you as his own. See, how does wrath, how does all that fit with a loving God? Isn't, isn't Jesus loving? Yes. How can he be wrathful? Wrath and love go together. You don't think so? I'm going to talk to you parents. What would bring up the greatest wrath in your life? Somebody hurting your kid. Somebody hurting your kid. Why would you feel that wrath? Because you love them. Ignore his son who came and gave his life for you. You'll see wrath. You'll see wrath. Wrath and love are not enemies. Wrath can only go from love. The fear of God is something many of you have heard about. And I can't unpack it for you. We'll have much time in this book to talk about it. But here's, here's the dichotomy that it is. Those who fear God in awe, in fear, in worship, and, and, and respond as John did, those are the ones that Jesus places his hand on and says, fear not. Those who fear God, Jesus says, fear not. Those who have no fear of God have reason to be very afraid. Which camp are you in? The solution is the same. The solution is the same. If you fear and you 
really shouldn't because you belong to Jesus Christ. Come to him as we need to do over and over and over and over again. Say, lay your hand upon me and let me hear the words, fear not. Let me know, let me receive, let me dwell on your love, which makes my fear evaporate. Perfect love casts out fear. I want to press into your perfect love. If you know you do not belong to him, and you may not, I would not be doing you any favors if I tried to convince you that by coming to church, by joining a Bible study, by living right, you belong to Jesus Christ. I wouldn't be doing you any favors. You know it, God knows it. Solution is the same. Come to him. The Bible talks about repentance. You know what that is? Doing a U-turn. Saying, I agree with you. I disagree with my life without you. I need you to lay your hand on me and say, fear not. I need to know your incredible love that'll chase my fear away. That's the invitation. That's the choice. Those are the two camps. The solution is the same. Believer, unbeliever, come to him. He will not turn you away. His nail-scarred hand will be placed upon you and he will say, fear not, know my love, know my power for you because I love you. Fear has no place. Fear has no place in those who are in me. Do you want to be loved and fearless? Ball's in your court. He's offering Let's pray. Lord, you are so good. Your word cuts through us to places that we don't always like to go. And Lord, we realize that so much of our daily life is controlled and distorted and compromised by fear. And Lord, some of us those who belong to you, who've surrendered to you, who've accepted you. Lord, we confess and we offer up the fear in our lives, whatever it may be. And we ask you to lay your hand upon us and say, fear not. We ask you to reveal yourself and your great love to our hearts right now through your Holy Spirit. We come for those of us who are here who question whether they truly belong to you, whether they've ever surrendered to the guys, to the ladies. Lord, you love them all. But they don't have fear. And Lord, they want to fear you, to have the response that John did, to see you, and fall at your feet, whether literally or in their hearts, and be undone and say, you are my only hope. You are the only way out. You are the only way up. You are the only way to forgiveness and life and peace. Thank you for the cross for me. Thank you for living for me. Thank you for your promises for me. Thank you for making a home in you now and forevermore for me. Lord, we want to be loved and fearless. And you are the only way. Make us bold and not fearful to come and receive that.
from you today and forevermore. In Jesus' beautiful name.